kind of old-fashioned cop who preferred working the streets and making arrests to taking tests toward promotion. He was the closest thing New York had to a dirty Harry. This is One Tough Podcast on the OG Podcast Network. Here's your host, Bo Deedle. Welcome to One Tough Podcast. I'm joined, like always, with my man Carlo. Buongiorno. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, what is this Italian stuff, man? We have Italian guests that speak a little Italian. Where do I look, Jewish? I'm Italian. My mother's born a Italian sister. I know it, I know it. Yeah. Well, we got a guest today that ain't just a guest. He's family to both. And put it this way, if I take a collar at 2 o'clock in the morning, there's one guy I'm going to call. And that's our guest and my dear friend, Joe Tacopino, one of the great defense attorneys in New York, of course, this country. One thing about Joe Tacopino is if you got Joe as your lawyer, nobody Excuse my language, fucks with you. Joe, welcome to our show. It's a wonderful nice, podcast. We, uh, we're very excited about having you here in New York. And, uh, you know, we know you go back and forth a lot to Italy. You got that soccer club. What's it called? Venezia? Very good. Why do you speak Italian well? Venezia. Venezia. Otherwise Venezia. known as Venice. But, yes, Venezia. I like, uh, I like the liver Venezia. That's where the onions, the liver, calves liver, the calves liver Venezia. Copycat or Venezia. <laughs> So make a long story short, Joe. I know you for a lot, a lot, a lot of long, long time. You're you're a child of immigrants like me, mm-hmm, of course. Yeah, both of them from Italy, or both from Italy. Yeah. Well, I got a little Nazi, uh, not Nazi German. <laughs> born German came here in nineteen. 19- 16 or something. My mom was actually born here, but her family's from Italy. My dad was born directly there. So, yeah, yes, yeah. the whole, the whole crew is Italian. Italian, your sister. Oh, yeah, sure. So, and honestly, my father came in in 1916, and I came from Germany. He didn't have Nazis then, so I shouldn't really say that. But I don't recognize myself as being German. I don't recognize myself as being Italian anymore. I recognize myself as being an American, and that comes number one. Maybe you a little different. Maybe you a little different, <laughs> Carlo. Me, American, that's for my brother. You like it? That's nice. Yeah, my brother passed away. I know. And Sorry I about that. Yeah. Uh, so, listen, you were born to immigrant parents. Do me a favor. How did you get involved with this law- lawyer stuff? Well, I mean, you know, I always like to debate. I always like to argue whether <laughs> whether it was about it's going to rain, it's not going to rain, or that's blue. No, that's not really blue. It's more purpley. You know, whatever it was, I'd take a side and argue, even if I didn't believe in it. Yeah. And And... What really turned me, I was in college. They call that on the street a, a hot on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's exactly. always, if it's day, no, it's, it's cloudy. That's not, yeah, 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 exactly. That's a bit of a hot on, right? Sort of what I was. I grew up in Brooklyn, by the way. So <laughs> you this had a fight, is, too, I had right? a fight. Oh, my God, did I have fights. <laughs> well, I tell people, my kids, God bless, they're lucky. Five kids I have, you know. God bless And you. I don't think they've any of them. A lot of have, people don't know that about Joe. He's got a wonderful family, lovely wife, and five children, and he's a very devoted father. And a very loving husband, and Joe, yep. you—that's a beautiful thing. No, it's the most important thing, and and you know, I mean, I've by the time I was fourteen, I had a hundred street fights, not because I was a tough guy, but because I had to survive. I mean, that was life. I mean, that's how I grew up in the streets. I grew started my life in Brownsville, you know, for eight years on Mother Gaston, which is not a, a pretty place even still today. It oh, hasn't God, been gentrified. Okay, I, I know. It was on par. Halsey, I used to go to I was a Halsey bop. We used to go to East New York all the time. I'm a yeah. little older than you, but I've tasted my sweat and I've tasted my blood when I get cracked in the head with a bat. <laughs> I've tasted it a few times, but God. So it was fun. You know, it was part of the um, the upbringing, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. My, my kids have been blessed not to really, I don't think any of them had a, a street fight in their life, you know. Um, but, but and, and I'm not 
advocating that street fights are good things, but it gave you a sense of, of grit, character, and mental toughness and physical toughness that I rely on this day, to this day, in a courtroom, um, whatever I'm doing. I mean, it, it's something that I, I really am I'm grateful to say I could rely on and have. Well, you know, it's a great attribute to, to physically be, you know, ready and rocking and rolling. Right. And even when I say, and I, I don't mean to knock any of the cops that are out there, but like when I came on the force, it was these were kids that were street kids from New York, kids from Vietnam coming right out of the service, and these guys were fighters. Now there's a lot of this, with this new advent with all the females and this, nobody got punched in the face yet. So when you pull your gun out, what do you do next? And uh, you don't want to know something. I, I like toughness in a person, but I also like compassion. Yep. You could be one tough guy, but you can have compassion. And, you know, I've said this before, and it's the God's honest truth. I think back, I have never started a fight. I've finished a lot of them, but I've just never started one. And and that's something that, you know, you know, you don't want to be a bully. You don't want to be a, a punk. I hate but bullies. I hate, I hate bullies, bullies, too. Yeah. I hate bullies, too. Anyway, so what, I, what happened in college, I was doing some debate work for a debate club. Again, just debating anything. And then I read a book that turned my life around because it was a book that made me look at law. Um, it was called Fatal Vision. It was a book, a true story book by Jeffrey McGinnis. Um, about the Green Beret in Fayetteville, South Carolina in the 70s who killed his wife and kids, Jeffrey McDonald, Jeffrey yes. McDonald. Crazy story. And, and you know, he, he said that some hippies broke into his place because he was a Green Beret. And, you know, and then there was some evidence that there was some hippies around there. He described someone and there was a sighting of someone. It was it was a he page was building his alibi. You know, he was, but there was some real thought that he was truly innocent being being, you know, falsely accused. And, and and that book, every page, one page, I'd say he's guilty. The next, I thought he was innocent. Well, I was like, really perked your interest that though. that I said, I love this stuff. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And for me, if I'm not passionate about something, I'm not very good at it. So that's what got me focused you know, for on the listeners out there. You got to understand this whole thing. Carlo, listen up. You got to understand something. You have a defense. Everyone has the right to a defense. You know, I mean, you could be accused of anything, including what's going on with the president. They could accuse him of everything, collusion, everything you want to, but you do have a right to a defense. And, and you want to say, it is kind of exciting to plug holes in things, but I'm sure yeah. there are some cases, Joe, where you know your client is dead guilty. Mm. But what you do is you try to find out the, 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 uh, the f- that the law was done properly. Correct. Explain that a little bit yeah. to our listeners. Yeah, yeah, that's important. You're right, because some people say, well, how can you represent those people to me? How do you represent them? First of all, I've represented my share, Bo, of purely innocent people charged with very serious crimes. That's enough to keep me awake at night. That kind of stuff is not the stuff I, I enjoy about the practice. But when you have someone who's charged with a crime, and the evidence or common sense tells you this person's guilty, and, and that happens. I mean, yeah. okay, most people charged are some somewhat guilty of something, if not what they're charged with of something, okay? So when you when you evaluate that case, you have to say, okay, my the system, our system is the best justice system in the world, bar none. As it stands now, I, it doesn't I, get changed. Yeah, as it stands now, it doesn't get changed. And it doesn't get it right all the time, but we get it right most of the time. And it's the most fair system in the world. I mean, think of some of the other systems of justice out there. People are, are put in jail for years before they're even brought to trial. Before you even charge. I mean, before yeah. you even charge, exactly, including in Italy, by the way. They can no, detain Turkey. you. Turkey, Istanbul. Yeah. yeah, they can detain you in Italy before, you know, you get charged for a couple of years. I mean, look at the, the Amanda Knox case and all that. But anyway, so, you know, what we, what you have to understand is we all have our roles. When you're representing someone's defense attorney, your role is not to be the judge, the jury, the executioner. Your role is to determine if everything was done on a constitutionally kosher basis, so to speak, right? You, you want to make sure that the cops didn't 
you know, do something illegal or wrong. Right. They didn't lie to get a search warrant or they didn't fabricate evidence or, or you know, they didn't violate the rights of someone. You want to make sure that the prosecutors have turned over all the evidence and didn't hide some exculpatory evidence or favorable evidence. I mean, you have to put the system to the test. And and that's your job as a defense lawyer. If you don't do that, you're failing the system. And you're failing the person, the next person who comes into the system and may be innocent right. is, is being hurt by that. So, you know, it's not about lying. It's not about trying to make, uh, you know... Trying to get an angle to get lemonade out of, out of lemons. It's it's trying to make sure that everything was done properly, and you have to test that system hard. And and that if that means you know getting an, a guilty person off because the system worked because something wasn't done right along the line, that's the cost of justice. Now you before you became a defense attorney, what did you do prior in the law and for, uh, with law? I was a I was a prosecutor. I was a you know a prosecutor in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. I was. Uh, a deputy chief in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. I did some work at the Homicide Bureau. I did a lot of homicide cases, um, you know, and it was the other side of it. I mean, and believe me, I did that with the same vigor that I do defense work. Yeah, with, but you know, doing it on a prosecution-wise, it's a little different. You see things a little different. You're not looking for that that the angle of to get a person off. You're looking to prosecute and, and, and prosecute rightfully who, you know, what pops up to my mind now with Brooklyn you know, I'm a retired detective out of Brooklyn Homicide, uh, North uh, Homicide Squad there. And also this kid, I didn't know him. I was retired by the time he came on. Every one of his homicides, allegedly, uh, they were all innocent. Somebody was killing these friggin' people, not the Martians. Now about 30, 40 homicides that he worked on are being reversed and thrown out. I mean, in reality, you know, is that really good? I think it's a miscarriage of justice. Somebody killed those people there. And I, I just can't believe that this one detective was locking up 40 people that have been reversed. Every one of those convictions are reversed now that they're going free. And they're getting money on top of them when they get out of jail. You know, as, a, as, as an American citizen, I can't believe what's going on with something like that. What's your feelings about like My feelings on that, but this is where my defense attorney sort yeah. of, you know, clothing comes in because to me it's the right result it's the right result it's a tragedy because there's people who were murdered and and killed and and their family now some of them are guilty but it's getting reversed on on it's getting reversed on technicality yeah well it's not just a technicality like you know a a minor thing it's a massive technicality where his witness his the the detective popped up on 16 different cases that right there's fabrication of evidence they didn't reveal things that were were supposed to be by law revealed to the defense so they could at least examine the the motives and the credibility of people. Um, they hid evidence. I mean, that's not the stuff you can do. Our system fails when that happens. And look at this. Look at that situation. So he did it. He got his conviction. But it, look at the, the stain he put right. on the system. So and, no, and, what, and, you're, what you, you're saying, Joe, it's the right. listen is this. These guys, a lot of them committed to murders, but because of the way it was investigated and prosecuted, and they didn't dot the I's, cross the T's, these cases are being reversed. And I don't know the stories of all these guys. I don't know if some of them were guilty and some weren't guilty, but it's not about just dotting I's, crossing T's, but dotting I's and crossing T's is one thing. It's about lying. It's about fabricating evidence. It's about hiding evidence. That's a little more than dotting I's and crossing T's. That's the stuff that gets convictions reversed, even guilty people get their convictions reversed when there's false testimony, when there's lies, when when constitutional violations occur. You know, we have a constitution in this country that means a lot. And when that gets violated, it's the worst thing that could happen to all of us. Oh, imagine how that feels, you know, Carla. Imagine how it feels to be uh, accused of something you didn't do because of the prosecution and or the police fabricating something. How, How would you feel? So, you know, what Joe was saying before, when you're testing the system, 
and making sure that the prosecution and the police are have a sound case. And if you find a technicality, uh, you know, that, and like you said, it's for the next person that comes in. So when you have 30 cases that go by and there's still this uh, flaw in the system and there's cops that are lying, there's prosecutors that are looking the other way, it just sets them up for failure in the end because, you know, maybe one guy was... Uh, innocent, but 29 people and, and, and were... Carlo, with, with all respect, like I like the justice system. You know what the justice system's emblem is? It's a woman with a blindfold with a scale of justice. We used to have Miranda, didn't have Miranda, and we got Miranda. But if it would have went the other way, they would have maybe got rid of a Miranda. But there are some overzealous defense attorneys that fabricate a witness and a witness lies. I mean, it's on both well, sides. They're just so. as bad. They're just yeah. as bad. I mean, if you're a defense attorney fabricating witnesses and fabricating evidence, you're you know you're corrupting the system as, as as badly as you know if a police officer does it. I mean, obviously, law enforcement has much more power and they have a, a, a higher standard because they represent our community. Yeah. Um, but a defense attorney doing that's just as bad. I'm not not, not covering for that yeah, well, in any know, way, shape, my, or form. My little problem with being a detective and a cop was, you know, I've, I've never flaked. It's called flaked when you put something on someone, whether it be it drugs or a gun, gun or whatever. Yeah. And cops were known back in the 60s to do that, carry a second guy. Bo never played that game. I always played it straight. And like I said, but sometimes... To prosecute someone under the law, whether I'm, I don't make the laws, but in reality, like I got a guy with a Mac 10 machine gun under his front seat. Did I see the handle sticking out? No. Did he have the fucking gun? Yes. Did I say I saw the handle? Yes. I purged myself. You know why? He had that loaded machine gun under his front seat, but under the law, Carlo. He would have gotten away with it because it was deemed as a, quote, illegal search. But, I mean, that's the problem, you know, Joe, I had in my police career. I I didn't flake anybody. He had the damn gun. Mm. Then the other part is I locked up several hundred people with loaded guns. You have to say you saw a bulge. You know, if you pat a guy down, he's got the he's got the frigging gun or he ain't got the gun. I didn't put the gun on it. So, you know, you can understand now it's... 34 years later, I could be honest about it. It's frustrating to have a case where you get a guy with a Mac-10 machine gun and you testify to the facts that, all right, uh, I didn't see the handle of the gun, but I searched on it and I found a gun. And the guy's walking out of the freaking courtroom who just shot somebody before you got where I'm going with this. Joe, where you going. it's yeah, a no, no, fine like, tightrope. To that point, you know what you're saying, yes, you want to get guns off the street. But if you're just stopping people for no reason, maybe you catch a kid that's just, you know, maybe has marijuana or something on it. Now he's in the system. He's got. But you know what happens, though, also. Carlo, go find your ball bag down the corner, right? No, no, no. You know what happens, though? If if, if you lie and bow, you know how much I respect I have for you as a cop. You've done more for this city than than anyone who's worn that uniform, and I appreciate that. So it's not you personally, but if if anyone lies on the stand, especially a law enforcement officer, it's a violation of not only the law, it's a violation of the Constitution. You know, this Constitution is, is, is set to protect all of us, the innocent and the guilty. And, and when you start sort of cutting corners, mm-hmm. because we know they're guilty. Okay, so let's cut corners because we know they're guilty. Yeah. You, you develop in a pattern and a habit of starting to cut corners, period. Mm-hmm. And that's when innocent people start getting swept into the system and, and get hurt. But I was, really try, I was hurt. trying to give you a synopsis, Joe. Of the turbulent early 70s where we had yeah, no. 2,200 murders a year. We had people getting gunned down. And mo- one of my things was, again, and I'll sit here, I never, ever flaked a person. I never, ever put drugs or guns on anyone. But I just gave so you an example. the greater good was served. You know what? Yep. I gave you an example, Joe. Then I became the, the expert of someone with a gun. 
you look at one pants leg low, lower than the other one. And he keeps favoring himself. Like, when he has like a, your coat that's yeah, popping out yeah, a little bit exactly. on that side? Yeah, right. I thought My I saw that. My point is, that's how I used to testify, Joe. Had you know he had a gun? Well, he was favoring it. And then when I went up there, I says, well, what's in your jacket? He pulled back, giving me direction to grab it. And I grabbed it. It was a gun. I understood what the criteria was that you had to have the evidential right to search a person. Right. That I started to fine-tune, and that only comes with experience. But I gave an example, Joe, not for people to think, oh, Bo lied on the stand. I told you the facts of my life right. going through. We had a shooting. There was a Mac-10 under that front seat. I had no cause to look under that front seat. I did reach under it. I pulled the freaking machine gun out of from under the front seat. Sorry, I, I, I own up to it, Your Honor. Guilty as charged. But my point is I'm trying to bring out an example of when you have so much turmoil going on the street, people being shot, people being killed, like in Chicago, there has to be a way of getting those guns off the street. So a little girl sitting on a porch, six years old, doesn't get shot in the head by one of these gang members. I'd rather take a gun off questionably off the street than have that person get away and kill somebody else. I'm trying to give you the final yeah, one. And and that's can, that's an argument that's hard to argue against, Bo. I mean, you it know is. what, Joe? I'm at a stage. I'm 68 years old. I'm a grandfather. I've been through it all. And I've done everything that I think in the right way, the mostly in the right way. And I just say, you know, there's, there's, there's different variables here where people say, yeah, no, but I do understand justice and we have to play by the same rules on everybody we certainly can't go get a FISA warrant under no credence and no credibility to get a warrant because i remember i used to go for warrants and if i lied on that warrant about an uh, uh, undercover gave me this statement about guns being in an apartment and that was a lie i'm opening myself up for felony as you get older more experience you understand and you work with what the law that you got and that's what that's all I was trying to bring up. But you could see both sides of it. And I think that's one of the most interesting discussions that we can have today yeah. is give both sides of it. There's both sides and then there's that middle ground there. Yeah. The gray absolutely. area. You know, and it goes both ways, right? I mean I could see when, you know, if you have a a, a cop who's testifying who has a history of of you know, I did use brutality. the N word. I used the N word many times in my career. I'm not Mark Furman, uh, like a, a, a ludicrous jerk off like right, that. Right. I never said that. Yes, Bo, I would say today. My point is, you you know, and one thing I got a good reputation of a lot of the DAs there, uh, and wherever I was a cop, is I, I, I was out there when I was a decoy, I was the victim. And I got, I mean, I used to tell Judge Torres, Edwin Torres, the mm -hmm. great judge, he was in Ramos a lot. And if the guy hit that, hit me with that bottle on my head, pulled a knife on me, stabbed me, you know, tried to stab me, whatever, I'd tell the truth, man. That's, that's what, why'd you hit him in the head with the radio, Bo? Cause I was fighting when he wouldn't get handcuffed. You hit him in the head several times. I hit him until I could get him handcuffed. I tell every rookie cop, don't deny what you do, what the reason for you doing it and why you did it, what was in your mind. Tell the truth on all aspects of arresting someone because you know how hard it is. You as a strong guy, Joe, how hard is it even to lock up a 98-pound woman if she don't want to get handcuffed? Yep. you got you got to have a little tiger on your hand. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's, it's great to talk from this side of the counter on my life experiences, but I do understand all sides of it. But I do agree with you because I wouldn't want to be the victim of uh, of of justice not being done properly for me, and I don't want to be the victim in the sense that if someone was investigating me and they did something that they weren't supposed to, do, I want you, Joe, to show them that they did wrong. Right, right. And some of you know, if you think about what's happened the last few years, I mean, 
some of the people who are most skeptical of, of defense lawyers when they were under the gun became the biggest champions of the, the presumption of innocence. I remember Bill O'Reilly when he was yeah. you know, getting accused by all these oh, women, yeah, right? I did the investigation for him in 2005 and then 2000 and, and uh, I think it was uh, 16 or whatever. And then all of a sudden I got attacked for trying to, all we did was an investigation for a law firm. Right. We were hired by Epstein, uh, Becker Epstein. And what they asked us to do interviews right. with people that, knew the, the person that was making the commit, uh, the allegations. And then all of a sudden I got condemned. You hate women, Bo. You're against women. I said, I have hundreds of them I've defended. I love women. And the point is that he has a right. Bill O'Reilly, whatever he did, has the right for a defense. Absolutely does. The, the, the irony of that, of course, was that anytime I was on his show representing someone accused, he would... Yeah. defecate verbally all over the, the rights Me of an too. accused. You know, you too. And then like Rush Limbaugh, same thing. You know, he was out, oh, please. If you're charged, you're guilty. If you're charged, you're guilty. Then he was on the gun with, you know, with the pills and all that stuff. And, oh, you know, the, I can't believe people are jumping to conclusions <laughs> well, like well, that. Well, look, a perfect example is, uh, is, is Mr. Putrid there, my friend from Hollywood there. What's his name? Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. And I got mad at uh, Ben Brockman. You know, Ben, I don't do no work for you. know, I've given him some of his biggest cases Puff Daddy, Jay-Z with the stabbing, Puff Daddy the shooting New York. New yep. York. Mike Cervall did a fine investigation yep, on that. You guys did. And, and in reality, we, 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 we look upon things and being a father, daughter, two daughters, and, uh, and then all of a sudden seeing this slime bucket getting away with a lot of stuff, I said to Ben Brop, and I say, Ben, because I did a couple of shows, I put him down a little bit. He's a great lawyer. But I said, you know, Ben, would you let your daughters work for this creep? I said, now he's sleeking out of all these cases. But he, being a scumbag that he is, still deserves the right for a defense. Correct. And again, as long as that defense is within the four corners of the rules of ethics, as long as it should be hard charging and you should be testing the evidence and you should be making sure that when people get up there, raise a hand, swear to tell the truth, they're telling the truth, they're not embellishing, you've got to go hard because that's how the system works. And if a conviction is had after that, then it was the right verdict, and you know I, I can sleep. You, I can sleep. Making me believe, become a real judicial type, a balance of yeah, yeah, right yeah. and wrong. And because I agree yeah. with you almost every aspect. But I wanted to give you a highlight. Oh, here's another one. Being in the private investigating business, I was with Mike Cervola. We go to a place up by City Island in the Bronx, and we're in there. The guy, it's a rape of a 12 year old girl, uh, and the guy's the guy who wants the highest sitting across the table. And he's there, Mike's next to me, and the guy says, uh, well, you know, I took my daughter out on a boat with her girlfriend. You know, I'm, I'm listening, he keeps saying, you know. You know, and then they had a couple of beers, and then they had a couple of shots. And you know, you know how it is. And then all of a sudden, she smiled at me, and I, I didn't force myself. on. I said, I looked at the guy, he says, Mike, we better get the fuck out of here. If I punch this guy right in his face, yeah. I should take your money, shove it up your head. That's one good thing. You, you I, I would have followed you out that door. <laughs> I probably would have hit him first. <laughs> you see? I probably would have hit Joe, him first. This is Joe, because he has emotions as a father and as right and wrong. And this little creep, whether he gets away with this on a legality, yeah. still should have got no, his No, there's face zero chance, zero chance. I represent someone who I think. You know, as an adult, raped a, a, an underage girl. And, Zero and chance. Too. And I've represented plenty of people accused of rape. But when I represent someone accused of rape, I believe in them. I believe in, in, in their defense. I believe in you've, you've the, turned, the, you've the rape away. cops case, for you've, instance, you've right? Heard it, you've heard someone trying to hire you, and you heard the case. You told them I'm out of here. I've turned many cases away, not just that. But Me too. Anything with, with pedophilia, if I believe the person's guilty, 
I'm not interested because I won't be that good for them because I can't this look at This guy was them. admitting to me. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, at that point, you the only thing you think of is just taking his jaw 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've had some real uh, big, high-profile cases. Mm-hmm. So, some of your high-profile cases, Joe. I mean, you know, A-Rod, Meek Mill. Um, I, rep- I represent Jay-Z on various little things uh, that he has with litigations. Um, what was been the a story lot. with this Meek Mill guy? Yeah, I think this case, you know, points out a lot of things you were speaking about, about uh, cops lying, about prosecutorial misconduct. Lilo uh, Brancato, by the way, that was a, a fun one. Lilo, I remember the Lilo case, that's where yeah. you you were a little mad at me on that. Well, you know what, I, I just, I, I being an ex-cop, it, it wouldn't, it, I just had to turn away from yeah. Lilo. I know him, I like the kid, and I knew in a million years, him himself, without that other scumbag. Well, Armento was the guy. I mean, yeah, that's he the, was the, the scumbag. The guy who killed, he was a piece of he garbage. He was probably stoned out of his job, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I still had a brother officer that doesn't come home to no, my I know, family. I know. So that's why I had to stay far away from yeah. that. I think you asked me to help you with that. I did. <laughs> and I said, no, that yeah, yeah, And I get that. But see, Lilo yeah. was acquitted of that because he wasn't guilty. I mean, don't forget, he didn't pull a trigger. Yeah. He didn't have a gun. He didn't know this piece of garbage had a gun. The, the piece of garbage, Armento, is in jail for the rest of his life, as he should be, by yeah. the way. But you know, you know, it's just you got to be careful about getting swept into the emotional undertones of a case. I remember that case, and you know, I represent. You know how many cops I represent, Bo? I represent yeah. cops all the time. You're I just, cops, you're, I'm, you're I'm, a, you know, cops get locked up, they go to jail. I, I mean, I just got those two guys, those two officers, off in federal court in Newark. The two TSA officers yeah. were charged with assault. They were acquitted, you know, a couple months ago. So, but, but on the other hand. <laughs> It was something to see every day, 400 cops singing in that courtroom, the family, you know, the the emotional uh, sort of that thing. That had to be hard for you. Oof. Walking down that hallway, yeah, yeah. And it was specifically because, you know, I had a relationship how with many, a lot of these How guys. many under their breath? Scumbag, scumbag. Yeah, Pat Lynch and I almost. Well, Pat Lynch, I just you know, called out the other day. Yeah, Pat Lynch. On the Gardner case. Yeah. Because the, 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 that would be love. I would love that case right. to defend that cop. Because Absolutely. 100% Pantolino, Italian cop from Staten he did nothing wrong. The guy died of a heart attack, acute asthma, and he was still talking. I can't breathe. If you choke somebody, death, you're dead. I talked to Dr. Bun. In this case, I called out Pat Lynch, and I called him out on my radio on the radio show with Sid and Bernie the other day. I said, he's silenced. He says them. They should be demonstrating. They should be all over the place. That's why it shouldn't be a cop as the head of the PBA. That's you right. should have someone retired that will go after Big Bird de Blasio when the cops are being... Uh, Talked about negative. What do we want? Dead cops. What do we want? I would have cops demonstrating out in front of his Gracie Mansion, like I did when I ran for mayor with that bullseye would pee on me right here, pee on Gracie Mansion when he allowed him to piss out in the open and all. This is something that I just, I just, I'm out, outraged about Pantolino. I mean, the the pressure yeah. they want this kid indicted for intentional murder. Wow, the kid only did what he was authorized to do. Hey, look, you got to get out of here. You're gonna you're gonna be placed on risk, which he's been. Right. You're not taking me. Right. So what are you supposed to do? Run away? And he did nothing wrong. Where's the job behind him? Job ain't behind him. And believe me, you got shopped in there, breathing in the in the atmosphere, looking for how much money he can make on the friggin' thing. We know Al Sharpton very very well. We used to call him the fat rat when I was a cop. Now he's a skinny rat because his head's like big. His body looks like a puppy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I mean, cases like that, you know, you got cops that that, that get in trouble, and uh, you know that's something that I, I I look forward to helping them. But like you said, you know, the bad cops out there too, like they're bad doctors, man. It's bad everything. It's bad lawyers, doctors, bad bad everything. So a few bad apples sometimes, unfortunately, stain it, you know, for everyone else. But you know, yeah, the meat case that you guys brought up, Carl, you were saying it, 
they got a lot of press because it was obviously it's a very high profile rapper, but we were in involved in a system that really just run amok. It really did. It lost perspective, lost everything. I mean, this when he talk about bad cops. Well, yeah. I mean, when this kid was arrested when he was eighteen, Meek, the things they did to him, the beating they leveled on him. I mean, the, the, the evidence was there. The fact that they lied in, in, in affidavits, and they've Give all basically they've all they've all been been condemned for that already. Give so me it's fifty thousand feet of the Meek Mel case. Now you know you have to get into tickets. So when he was eighteen years old, he's thirty something now. Thirty one. Yeah. When he was eighteen years old, he got arrested for uh, um, a, a drug and gun case. Okay, on his. Did porch. he have the guns and drugs? He had he had the drugs. Um, there's a question as to whether or not he had the gun or didn't have the gun, or if it was flaked or not flaked. But whatever. I mean, he he pled guilty. Okay, he had a deal. And and so he wound up being on probation. For, for now, it's like 10 years, over 10 years. No one's on probation. I mean, in New York, you have five years probation on a felony. is the max. I mean, in, unless we're talking about, a, you know, pedophilia case. Um, he wound up being on probation because this judge in Philadelphia who was obsessed with him, you know, to the point where she asked him to actually record a song, remake a Boys to Men song, and give her a shout-out in the song. Was she uh, African-American? She was and is. <laughs> Still is. Um, but she was, I mean, I've never seen anyone. She just wanted so, to come and see her. Uh, it, it was unreal, the treatment he got and, and the things that she did. And she kept renewing his probation, renewing his wow. probation, renew, and, and, and extending it. So 10 years, he's on probation for 10 years. So what The happened? cops, the initial cops yeah. were on a, a, you know, a dirty cop list, the do not testify list. Yeah. That was never turned over to the defense. It turned out there was a big FBI investigation to these cops, these drug cops back then in Philly. Um, the, the main cop. Graham was, was failed a polygraph. He was condemned by the FBI, by the office. He was, um, you know, someone who was known to the district attorney as being someone that they couldn't Does trust. Did he get his locked testimony. up a second time during his probation? Yeah, he got locked up a second time. You know, what he got what? locked up for. Um, did you see the video of that cop the other day in Washington Heights on that mo- yeah, motorcycle? To, yeah. to, and he popped the wheelie, yeah, and then he, he went. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he got locked up for. Um, he was doing a, a rap video in Washington Heights on a on a moped on a bike with some about eight other guys, and he popped a wheelie and was driving. Nothing happened. He I didn't mean, crash. Even if the, they even locked if the mo- bike was not registered, probably it was. Oh, it oh, was. It was has nothing to do with the bike being not registered. It was fine. It was for a video, and he was driving down you know 110th Street or something like that, and he drove past a cop van. That was the funny part. Nothing happened. The next day, someone at One PP got wind of it because the video was posted on Instagram they found or something. He was on probation. They, they they knew he was on probation, but the, they went and arrested him. They arrested him. He had he was doing something at the um, Dykeman Street Housing yeah. Project basketball tournament. He was doing volunteer work for some kids. He walked out of the, the basketball tournament with about 15, 20 kids around him, asked for autographs and pictures, yeah. and all of a sudden about 20 cop cars pulled up, literally 20 cop cars pulled up. I mean, the police force must have been nowhere else in the city that night, but and they arrested him. They took him away like he was Dillinger. On oh, what what charges? Uh, reckless endangerment. With the bike strap? Yeah, with the bike the day before. He didn't crash his bike Did like the cop any, did. No. And, and here's the funny part. Yeah. They charged him initially with a felony. Why? Because when I went to the precinct to get him out on a DAT, they, they charged him with a felony. And the sergeant, the lieutenant at the precinct looked at me and said, Joe, this comes from 1PP. This is not my bag of shit, is what he said. I'm sorry. You know, I said, how can you charge him with a felony? Reckless endangerment, basically, you're, you're risking the life of another person. Right. He was on a Mr. bike by himself. Misdemeanor I mean, at, at, the at the most. By the way, the other eight guys on the video never got arrested. I mean, it was this was something was where... There any, was there any allegations of him having gang involvement, Joe? No. Meek Mill, none at all. None I mean, at when all. he grew up in a 
the worst part of Philly. His dad was killed on the same street that he was arrested wow. when he was five years old. See, a lot of people don't don't know the real. I didn't know yeah. the real circumstances. No. It is it's un, that it's case is unbelievable. Case. That's that's a case where the system abused people, and fortunately, he had the wherewithal and the name and the platform, you know, to put a legal team together to, See, to have a voice. With the other Philly case, with the cop killer, that's that they're they were doing a re. What's his name of it? The cop killer Jamal Mumia Abu Jamal whatever the freak his name is, and he he had uh, he got convicted for killing a cop, and now they're trying to get him out of jail. So I always confuse it. And when you say Meek Mill, I thought he had more. No, I thought no, he had he, real stuff around. He's a, good, he had nothing. He, he's a good kid who actually is doing justice reform work. I mean, he's uh, a real articulate, and it's just what they did. So you to got lock the thing, him up. You got the thing. We got him out. Yes, and we got, got him, him out. And, so that was good. He's he's, he's good too. He pay his bill. Did he pay his bill? He did pay his bill. Unlike good. some of these high fluting you know, celebrities, he Meek was very good about that. He's a good man. Meek's a good guy, and, and, yeah. and he's doing something good for the system now. Yeah. So you know that highlighted the issue of criminal justice reform and, and specifically probation reform because you know that Correct. case of having probation for ten years and anything could pretty much be a violation, even yeah. just having contact with the police. I mean, that's not good. You know, if you, it's dissuading people from uh, intervening, helping people, and to making a report. Well, you know, honestly, I'm for I'm for uh, reform also, but I'm not for reform for cop killers. That's one of the things I'm not for reform. And I just saw in the paper today with the uh, armor car stick up that 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 skank truck, uh, that skank robbery. Judas skank is getting out of jail now. And then on top of that, the scumbag that killed the ten kids I locked up in the Palm Sunny massacre, eight of them children under the age of twelve. Ten dead shot in the head. He got out last year, a year and a half. And then the two other scumbags that raped the nun. They coughed 27 crosses in the nun, in the con, stuck a broom up a urinator, and left her for dead. They've been out for a while. I think one may be the mayor of Baltimore. I mean, this kind of stuff, I believe in reform. I believe in reform, but you don't want to know something. you got a way out where you have a, a mad dog, too, a real killer. You don't want him back on the street killing or her killing people. What's your feeling with the bail reform and all that, Joe? Listen, there's a fine line, and I think you sort of hit it, Mike. You know, reform is important, and, and we can't, our system is not made to incarcerate minor offenders. I mean, in Meek's case, when I went to visit him in the jail in Philly, half the people in that prison in Philadelphia were there for technical violations of probation in wow. jail, ripped from their families, ripped from the, who does that on serve? Violations on of, violations of probation. That's bullshit. That is, right? That is Half bullshit. the people in that jail. And it was crazy. And that's what the, this, this reform is about. Look, reform, there's rehabilitation and reform. Rehabilitation is you want people to come back out and, and become productive members right. of society. And, and you want to people so, get a second yeah, chance. People do 25 years but, in jail, and it's not a heinous crime or a killing of a cop. Right. That's where I'm drawing my line. I get that. You're, you're, you're a police officer. You'll always be a police officer, and that's something that's near and dear to you, and they serve the community. And now, listen, because I represent so many cops, I understand it. And when I look at a jury when I'm representing a cop charged with a crime, I said, especially it's a crime of, of when they're using force, when they have to yeah. exercise force on the job. I look at that jury in the eye and say, you know, Ladies and gentlemen, you can't understand. You can't pretend to walk in his shoes. You can't. You and I, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we go to work every day, and we hope we have a good day at work, and we hope we make money, and we hope our bosses don't ride us too hard, and we hope that's it, and we go home. A cop goes to work every day and hopes he comes home. I said, think of that distinction. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of that every day you leave your house and you say goodbye to your wife and kids or your husband and kids. Think of that when you don't know if you're ever coming back to that house. 
It's a little different to walk in those shoes and, and try to understand what they had, the, a decision they had to make in a split second, whether to, to use force to protect themselves, their life, or the life of another. I said, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. So I get that whole, you know, brotherhood. I really do because it is a brotherhood. But, you know, on the other hand, reform is important and rehabilitation is important. But I agree. If someone does something so heinous, like the crime you just described regarding the nun, there's something so sociopathic in that mind that I don't know how you reform that. I just well, don't. even the killing of 10 people, including eight children, that they'll never go be able to get their east the basket and play egg hunting. Yeah, like but if someone's kids, convicted so. of that, life in prison is the only, you know. A mad dog, only. what do you do with a mad dog, Joe? Well, someone who's been convicted of those type of crimes should be in prison for the rest of their life. They don't come out. They yeah. shouldn't come out. Or execute them. Yeah, that's not my gig, but Well, you I want to know something? I could, I could have executed the guy that killed the... T- well, if you would add that day, I keep the pictures of my office of these little children grabbing, like reaching out. One girl had chocolate pudding in the left hand with a spoon in the right and a shot in the head. And I just, yeah. I read, read, and then I Listen. go over the nun rape thing when she was in the convent and she was praying to God, God, please help me. And she, no one helped her. And, and I could just see what she went through and leniency and, and forgiving goes to a certain point. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not about forgiving leniency. Life in prison is, is a hell that I don't think any of us could understand. But I, I, I don't, as look, on a personal level, if that were my relative, my kid, my daughter, I would take the homicide rap myself Well, look, at, I'm going. Look, you know, that just brings out something. Where I, I got approached by somebody a few years ago. Guy was doing uh, 25 to life. He was Italian from the Bronx. He was a wise guy, organized mm-hmm. crime member, and he was in for 25 years. He was involved with a contractual killing. But since then, being in jail, education, seeing God and all that. And you know what? Another something I looked at, I value. I actually wrote a letter to the probational, the New York State Parole Board. And I said, look, I have cases where guys commit triple homicides. I have cases where people kill 10 people. And you guys are opening up. Well, why, why not this guy who's been never got arrested prior, never got arrested before or prior or whatever. And this guy here. Did 25 years. He's never been able to see his family. Why isn't he allowed? And you want to know something? They gave him parole. Did they? And he went, they gave him parole. He's lived in the Bronx. And you want to know something? He did his time. So I really, and he didn't kill a nun in a convent. I was going to say, there's a little bit little of, children. you know, there's a little different view for me and when this was someone an order, in that life. This was an order. If he didn't whack this guy, he, gets he was getting whacked. You know, if you're in that life. And, and, I, and should... I saw I saw that. He still, wears his, he still wears his little bandana around. No, a little, a little bonnet, I call it. No, nah, I'm good with Curtis, no. Right. Me and Curtis made friends. With All right, good. Because otherwise I would have had to bow-wise them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? I, I, I'm glad that we're understanding everything. I do believe in reform, just as long as it ain't something so heinous. And I put it in that same category, killing of cops, for some reason. Because, like you said, they get dressed in the morning. They don't know if they're going to go. I just had a fireman. We just had the Marine Corps law enforcement. Then I go every year. I, I, I love it. It's cops and Marine Corps guys. And we have uh, Kalstrom runs it, the Jim, yeah, Jimmy Kalstrom. Yeah. So they just spoke the other night about this fireman, New York City fireman was reserved, got killed last week in that uh, Afghanistan. He had three daughters, four, six, and seven-year-old daughters. 
I'm just like, whoa, it just took me out. Yeah. You got killed over there. And that was one of the things we, we sent nice contributions. Yep. Staff right? Sergeant Slutman is his name. Yeah, and uh, I just, when I heard it, my insight, he could have just as well been a cop or a fireman dying in New York City. Yeah. But my point is that I have a feeling about people that put their lives on the line for people. Absolutely. have to. It has to have a different, if you kill one of those, you're going to be facing something that you ain't facing other than that. And the law, the law allows that. I mean, assaulting an officer is different than assaulting me or you. Have you, know? you been following, you know, being a, I come from that area, from Howard Beach, and this most haunting, beautiful girl, uh, this Katrina Vitrano. Yeah. I mean, you see her picture, my God, beauty was beyond anything. And uh, and then this uh, Channel Lewis, have you been following this, Joe? What's your real opinion, not as a defense attorney, not as a father, just you following what you saw and uh, with the with the allegation, with the DNA and all that. I mean, we didn't have DNA when I was a cop and a detective. That was like, forget about it. DNA, right. you'd laugh well, at you it. have a lot of things, right? I mean, yeah. I think about this now. I mean, yeah. you can't get into it. I say this almost like complaining sometimes. You can't get into a good street fight anymore. I mean, you you're, can't, you're, 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 some guy gives you some lip, you give him some lip. You guys get into a fight. And, you know, one guy wins, the other guy walks away, and that's yeah, it. The you know, end you're going to get locked up. Now the winner goes to jail, the loser goes to the hospital, but you yeah. can't even get into a fight. Because you know, then there's a video of it somewhere, well, look, and they come look, find you. My f- big... I'm talking about a, a consensual one-on-one fight, what? not with weapons. No, just they'll lock fists. you up, Joe. You want to punch somebody up, they'll lock you up. With the shin, uh, back to Chin uh, Lewis, but not right away. But, I mean, look, at I knew the detectives that were involved with the Central Park Five. And what I'm saying right now, they probably want to sue me for it. But I know what happened there. And there's five people I got $50 million dollars they were robbing people all over there they were involved with this girl but they had like five of them one they couldn't get an erection then uh julio gonzalez whatever his name was came along seeing a lady and he dropped a load in her you understand where i'm going with this so his dna was in the broad he goes to jail and now they have a perfect case and all of a sudden they, they gave him 50 million now they want more money they want another 50 million they were no goody two shoes they were beating people up they were robbing people all over central park and my old partner there what was his name he used to work for Channel 5, uh, Mikey Sheehan. Sheen. Mikey Sheehan told me, and then I talked to Linda Fairstein, who I did a lot of cases with mm-hmm. sex crime. You know, they made them look like five innocent guys. They weren't in it. They were innocent with the rape of the girl. Right. Because, you know what, it's like if we're for five guys and all of a sudden we're out there, we're robbing people, and then none of us actually does it, right. and then the last jerk-off that comes along and puts his DNA in them, then we're free. You understand where I'm going with that case? That is a fact, but that is not being dealt with. They gave him $50 million, they're looking at him another $50 million. That, along with the Chanel Lewis case, mm. that's... All oh, those are different cases. I mean, to me, this guy, again... So I'm not going to talk to you as a defense lawyer now. No, right? I'm, I'm, not gonna, we're talking I'm, I'm just talking as a common sense. Mike, no, you're as, a prosecutor, as, a defense lawyer. I'm a you're member a of the community. I'm, 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 to me, the evidence in that case is overwhelming and powerful. DNA, for the most part, doesn't lie. It can be contaminated. You're talking about it on the Vitrano case. Yes. Yeah. It can be contaminated. DNA can be corrupted because you can place DNA, obviously. But I, there's no reason to believe any of these police officers would look to intentionally frame this young kid for Now, what if they hired you? The family, Chanel Lewis, on this case, what would be you? How would you go to try to free this little scumbag? Well, again, I'd look at the case first and, and come to my own conclusions. Okay, I really would. Oh, you wouldn't just take it. You no, would just, I wouldn't just take any case that comes in my door. Right. I mean, I have to be an advocate for the client, right? I have to be an advocate. And the case you have like to that, believe in the client. I have to believe in the client. And look, it's happened before. I've had many cases, very high profile cases. Look, Lilo was one of them. Like when he first came to me, I didn't jump at that case. I said, let me take a look. And I took a look, and I realized that this kid was not 
guilty of the murder of the the police officer. He was probably whacked out of his fucking. Oh, beyond. Be, I yeah. mean, he was a, look, he was a, a serious drug addict, and drugs destroyed his life. And and he's but he, what a comeback he's made. By the way, he's really he's out there again, and he's. I he's still done. honestly, I like Lilo, but I stay far away from. Him. I tell Noel Ashman he's doing movies. I said I just can't. I get it. I just can't. He's such a good. When kid. I walked he really in this is, building yeah. down here, we had Big Bird stop in traffic to have a promotion in uh, Madison Square Garden today. Oh, is that what cops. that is? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm gonna tell you, every cop. Oh, they, they, I mean, like I, I, like a fan club, everyone. Hey, Bo, F, Big Bird, and all that. My point is that, yeah, I have a feeling. Once a cop, always a cop in your I'll heart. So I would take a bullet for a cop today, and I'd jump in front of a cop to save a cop. And I really mean that. I, I really, really have a, an adornment. And a lot of them shouldn't be out there because they don't, they don't know how to do it. You don't have to shoot. I never killed nobody, Joe. I could have killed 15 people where I've been stabbed. I've been, guy shoots at me five times. From 15 feet away, throws a gun on the ground, says, you got me. I said, got you. I brass knuckled him into the ground. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I didn't kill anybody, but I did. You know, the guy just tried to kill me. My emotions, I can't even remember. Right. I saw red because this guy just tried to shoot me five times. I could have shot him. I could have got another medal. I have all the medals in the world. Could have got another medal. But you want to know something? You have to be a judge, jury, and some not executioner because I never killed him. But but you have to sometimes give a person a little remembrance. Don't do that again. <laughs> a little remembrance. These days you can't talk like that. I'm talking, but I, right. that's the kind of guy I was. Very fair in the yep. street. And if a guy didn't hurt me, I give him a right shot. When I was doing decoys, kid grabbed my wallet and ran. I grabbed him. If going in and fight with me. No problem. I go before the judge and the DA. I got no problem with this kid. You know, give him the 15 days or some crap like that. Oh, this kid hit me on the head with a bottle. Yeah, I got. I had to go to Bigman downtown hospital, get stitches. So, I mean, I, I tried to do the best job I could, and they throttle up and we'll throttle down. Compassion, strength, and compassion. That's That, to me, is great criteria. Absolutely. So, but go back to the Chanel Lewis case. Well, from what you see, as a you as a as an individual looking at the case, you're saying that the DNA is strong, and there ain't no way that you feel as though these cops forgaze the eyes. No, did. I mean, what, there's been no allegations that they forgaze the eyes. That, um, and and there's no reason that they would. I mean, so look, that, that stuff didn't make itself up. Those coincidences. I mean, he would have to be literally the most unlucky man in the world. The Chanel Lewis to have been innocent of that, based on the evidence yeah. that I read about. I wasn't in the courtroom, but it's pretty overwhelming. Like By the way, twenty three of twenty four jurors said he was guilty. The first case ended a hung jury. And now, now one. all of a sudden, you have that other criminal. Uh, what's his name? Jamal or Jam- what's his name? He used to be a city councilman, a psychopath. Uh, he uh, he's there. They're looking, saying that the jury was yelling at each other, and the uh, uh, African American jurors felt intimidated. That's what a jury is when you go into deliberations. If you put a camera and a sound in any jury box on any of these high profile cases, murder cases, you're gonna have people. Emotions are gonna run high. It's they're human beings. And no, don't tell me what I saw. I want to hear the rest of it. This goes back and forth. This is what jury. How does a jury come back? In the Palm Sunday Mesca, my case, come back, killing 10 people, eight children under the age of 12, and say, well, he was only guilty of manslaughter because he was he snorted cocaine. And he didn't know what he was doing. What? So that means if I want to do a little cocaine, I go kill you, Joe. And I really don't know what I'm doing. Right. So my point is, these are issues that come out in jury rooms. Yep. And no one can control what a jury does. No. And the whole thing is having the jury having some sense of... Intelligence, and I'm for an intelligent jury. 
I wish we could have people with college degrees to be jurors. I'd rather that than someone who hates cops who's going to vote against that cop's thing or vice versa. All right. And that's, you know, in the rape cops case, that was a case where these guys were convicted before the trial. They were called rape cops two right. years and, before and they went to trial. they were two young, good-looking guys. They saw a beautiful young chick there that did a, a deed with them. They never denied it. They said, well, it was voluntary, which probably it was. But they were facing but, they were facing a long time. Oh, boy. That Double case digits, I yeah. wouldn't mind taking. That, and, and so what happened with that jury, I you know, there was emotions obviously run so high, and, and, and you have these allegations that, create visceral responses, allegations of rape, right? So we picked the jury in that case that had nine... Well, you were on Ivy- the case, Joey? It was my trial, yeah. I got the acquittal in the rape cops case, of course. Oh, wow, I didn't trial. realize Kenny Moreno, yeah. Well, how come I didn't help you on that? Um, I came in the last minute. The PBA had already funded oh. an investigation, so I came in because his lawyer... Um, oh, there's a separate lawyer. Previous lawyer was uh, telling him to take a seven-year deal, and he was like, I'm <gasps> innocent. So we went to trial. And he That's was acquitted. a perfect example. He was acquitted. But I picked the jury. I had nine people on my jury with Ivy League degrees. Wow. Okay? And I did that on purpose. I wanted to, first of all, I needed a jury to understand the science, okay? And I needed a jury to understand that they have to be intellectual and not emotional when they render a verdict. Because wow. there was a lot of public outcry in that case. I had wow. protests outside the courtroom every day, rape cops, rape cops, you know. And it was something that I was worried about. But this jury, and one of the jurors was a journalist, and he wrote this great, like, piece for the Observer, the New York Observer, um, Confessions of a Rape Cop Juror, an 80-page thing, was how they deliberated inside. It was fascinating for me to read. It was a little scary, but fascinating also. It was a great, great and case. And people have to understand, Carlo, in this case here, it, Joe and me, 23 years old, never been married. We're together. We're partners together. Handsome Joe and Bo, young guys, 23 years old. We get this hot chick that all of a sudden wants to do the deed with us. Big deal. I, I could see myself doing it. It didn't exactly go down that way, but all right. Well, we'll for the purpose of, of the podcast, we'll use a little dramatic licensing. And we'll go in that direction. That's okay. <laughs> okay, all right. But I'm trying to say there's a big difference between rape and oh, consensual yeah. uh, lovemaking or sex or whatever yes. you want to call it, right, Joe? And, yes, obviously a big but difference. One put you away for the, for a good part of your adult it life. Out, it turned the, out The other one's an act. You know, with, the, uh, with these high-profile cases, with these people, with the with giving money to colleges and oh, all that stuff. God. What you feel with that? That is, I mean, honestly, I have five kids. Four of them have already gone through, now five, actually. Olivia's just finished, so gone through the college admission process. Yeah. And look, I would do anything I could to help them get in, except cheating. I, mean, I wouldn't pay someone. I wouldn't bribe someone. And, and most of these kids knew about it. Most of these kids knew they were getting in for rowing when they never rowed a well, thing in their life. You're hitting the point now. And Carlo. And so what they're doing, but here's what the point yeah. is to me, is the worst part of this thing is what you, what lesson you're teaching these kids in life. I mean, you are. Don't worry about kids, no Mommy and daddy well, got your you back. You could cheat. You get ahead by cheating. That's yeah. the lesson right off the rip right. these kids learn. It's disgusting. I mean, well, these parents. And here's the, here's the difference. I get, we got mutual friends that got a lot of cash. And they give a million dollars to school. Yep. They don't, but that's going to the school for an auditorium for right. this. That is not corruption. But when you go and a person advances personally for money you gave them, that's bribery. Yeah, that's the, the difference. Because I always kick out, like my friend Steve Ross gave the University of Michigan $300 million so bucks. It's called the Steve Ross University now, yeah, right? Yeah, well, but the point, <laughs> the point is that, look, if someone in his family wants to go to, obviously it's going to happen. But he didn't give it as a bribe. Right. He gave it, it to no help the school. And it's pro quo. And that's the difference, yeah. That's but the, uh, you know what? 
It's it's just it's just something funny. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about something positive. Man, this has been a really serious conversation. Great conversation for the listeners to bring them into the world yeah. of what goes on. Don't just look at a newspaper. We brought people into the real world today. How about our soccer club? Yeah. Are we still got it or what? We still got it. I mean, it's it's you know taking a little more time than I wanted it to take because I'm so busy here and and, yeah. and practice. But um, yeah, we still got it. We uh, you, you like know, soccer, Joe? I love sports in general. I love football, I, I love, Joe. I, I love, love football. I love baseball. I'm a big Mets fan. I see that Mets jacket someone has out there. That's a great thing. Um, you want to rob it? Mets you can. I'm, I'm thinking about trying take to it take it on the it. way up. He looks a little worn, though. <laughs> a little dirty, maybe. <laughs> vintage. But vintage, right. But no, I love, look, as an Italian, soccer's always been in my blood, so it's another sport for Italian, me. I'm Italian. I didn't have no soccer. I come from Mozone Park. We didn't even have soccer there. Yeah, it's a little yeah, no, different. We didn't it's have a soccer. different Italian-Americans. Nah, like hey, a, how you doing, Italian-Americans? Yeah, like, but I like uh, football. Okay, football. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Venezia, you know, in the most beautiful city in the world, we had this this opportunity with this team, and we set some records. What city is that, though? Venice. Venice. Venice is where the canals are, that the buildings are starting, the foundations are starting to get a little laxitatious. Yeah, they're going to be here way past our, our time on yeah. this earth, so... Going um, lay, I'm but, going to Lake Como with to Joe Grano's house. Then I'm going another, to Sardines. Uh, Sardinia. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's another, yeah, yeah. Two of the great places out there. Now, I've never been point. to Sardinia, but I've been to Lake Como. So, it's beautiful. And the Amalfi Coast. Let me tell you, if anybody wants to go to Italy, you must see Capri. You must see Pazantano. And you, if you really get lucky, you go up to Lake Como. That's and paradise, so, huh? and, and so magnificent up there. I love it. Joe Grano built a magnificent villa on Lake Como. Wow. I yeah. can't wait to go. No, it's it's, it's paradise, really. It's, being up there is incredible. And, well, you know, what's his name? Clooney lives up there, too. Well, we stay away from this yeah, house. No, I don't want to get hit with a load. You know what? And uh, believe me, like I said, whatever you want, whatever, you, whatever your, your deed in life is, you're like women, you're like men, you're a transformer, whatever you are, I support everyone's feelings. You want to go with a horse and be a, a horse lover, whatever you want to do. It's not my problem as long as you don't affect other people. Freedom to everyone. So, Carlo, if you want to be a transformer, you'll tell me one day you're a transformer. I love you anyway, buddy. I think I'm good, but uh, okay. I appreciate the support. Okay. Well, Joe, it's really been interesting today, and uh, I really want to thank you very much for coming today. Really in line. We'd like to have you back one day and talk about some other stuff. And uh, you know what, Carlo, take it away. All right, so we have to do our punk of the week. We do oh, a punk of the we week do a every punk week. of the week. Something that's bothering you really immensely. It could be a person, a thing, whatever. What really bothered you this week that you would talk about? We call punk of the week, but it's an issue, a person, or whatever. Uh, yeah, Joel Embiid giving an elbow, you know, to the face of uh, Jared Allen. I'm a big Nets fan, Brooklyn Nets fan. Joel Embiid's the center for the Sixers. And he did something. He was a punk, man. He gave this kid an elbow for no reason. He should they, be kicked out they, of the game. No, nah, he got a flagrant one. It should have been a flagrant one. Should have been arrested. Wow. Um, so that Assault. Was my, that's my punk of the week. Not something that serious, but obviously as a, as a Brooklyn Nets fan. Game three tonight. Yeah, game three tonight. Absolutely. Well, my, my punk of the week, he pops up all the time. We just saw the department investigation. He continues. Like when I ran from there against him, I talked about it. He continues. You got real estate company? You want something done? Just go to Mayor de Blasio. You win it again, Big Bird. You are my punk of the week. And today's papers show it again. I just wish to God that the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District deputizes me and let me put handcuffs on him. Let me put handcuffs on him because he is taking bribes. 
Simple, and that's it. Yeah, and he's supposedly Italian. He wants to do away with yeah. Columbus Day and the Columbus statue. Like yeah, Columbus, yeah. I mean, he's the, the guy who founded this country. I mean, his name is Ward Wilhelm, <laughs> and I don't know too many Italians that are six foot seven. He's definitely from the German side, and that's my punk. What about you, Carlo? What's your punk? I'm about? feeling very positive this week. I, I have no punk, Carlo. Stop being so untransitional. But uh, again, we want to thank you. Where can you get in touch with Joe? Where can people go on your shit, your social? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really. I'm not a you social. Like, I, don't, I don't have any, like my a, law firm has social. I don't. Well, have how that do stuff. we? How do they get to Joe? I think we have, you know, Tacopina Law. Um, I'm see. Let me see if I can find. That. I don't even know. I don't have a social media thing. I don't have a Twitter's. I don't do Instagram. I don't do Facebook. Yeah, plenty so, more time whatever. in your hands. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, Carlo, run right. it away. So thank you. And very listen, much. we'll put it up on our site. How to get Joe Tacopina? Absolutely. In case you're out there, you're looking for a good lawyer, and put it this way: if Bo said he would hire Joe, Joe's the best. And if I got in trouble, there's one name I go to, Takapina. And I tell you right now, Joe's there. Good, Carlo. All right, so thank you very much for being here, Joe. Uh, it was very enlightening. We learned a lot about the criminal justice system, as we always do. So thank you to all our listeners. Keep subscribing to our show. Tell your friends. Give us a great rating. You could follow us on social media. We're at One Tough Podcast on Twitter. Bo is at Bodil on Twitter and at the Real Bodil on Instagram. We read all your comments, keep them coming. We love your suggestions. Uh, we got a special shout-out to our dear friend, good friend of the show, Sean McCarthy. He listens every week while serving our country in Afghanistan. So uh, we're doing a special dedication to you, Sean. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we're proud of you. I'm listening to your podcast, by the way. It's really good. Well, That's I tell you what, you know what makes it really good? Guys like you, Joe. It's and what real. we it's talk nice. about now, we just took something apart and brought people into a world that they pick up a paper they don't understand. Yeah. And we, I, I just love, and the honesty, I think, that you yeah. show, and obviously I show when I admit to uh, flake, not flaking, I admit to uh, perjury. Not perjury. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, perjury, perjury did admit yeah, to yeah, yeah, perjury. Yeah, you're right. I committed perjury. Well, I guess the legal argument is limitations that you developed an expertise on that one, right? to detect Guns on people. Oh no, no! I'm not talking about the. I'm not talking about the guns on the person. I made an a incident where there was a shooting, and the car fit the description, and I had no right to pull them over other than question them. But I did reach it was under your sixth sense of your. Well, no, but I had no right to reach under that seat. I should have kept them. He should have kept the Michigan, killed six cops or something, and that would have been <laughs> all right, right, Joe? No, but you got to. You know what? You got to understand things. And if I went on the stand for perjury. And they got me on that, Joe. You know what I would have done? I would have said to the jurors, you got to understand something. I saw the eyes of 10 dead killed. If I have an opportunity to take a firearm off the street, I try to do that. I didn't give him that firearm. I didn't give him that machine gun. He had it under his front seat. But under the laws that we have to work by, you have to have reasonable cause. You have to have the right to look. And I'm sorry for reaching under there, but I did take a machine gun that was loaded off the street so it didn't kill another person. You want to convict me for perjury? I guess I'm guilty. I'll represent you in that case. <laughs> what do you think that juror would do? I got you, I got you in that case. <laughs> well, it was great, Joe. Thank you very Thanks much. Both. Thanks to all our Thanks listeners. All. Send all your emails, podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 